Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please be advised this story contains adult content and graphic language. You're number 135. Are you the four person? Yes, I am. Has the jury reached verdicts? Yes, we have. In the Superior Court of California, County of Orange Central Justice Center, the people of the state of California versus Rachel May Buffett, case number 12, CF 3397. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Rachel May Buffett. On this episode of Sleuth, we are once again back to our Santa Ana, California courtroom front row seat as the accessory to murder trial of Rachel Buffett comes to a close. Prosecutor Matt Murphy and defense counsel David Medina delivered powerful summations to the jury of 12. Matt Murphy believes he has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Rachel Buffett is guilty of lying to police and helping her fiancé, Daniel Wozniak, cover up for his murderous crimes. David Medina argued to jurors that this case should be considered the poster case for reasonable doubt, believing that he put on a defense that proves she had nothing to do with the murders, and in fact it was Rachel that helped police in cooperating with them and helping lead them to, as Medina suggests, a treasure trove of evidence to help convict who he calls the monster Daniel Wozniak. Both attorneys have now learned the members of the jury are unanimously in agreement as to a verdict. Have you made a determination on what the verdict will be? Let's listen as the jury forewoman renders their decision. Juror number 135, are you the foreperson? Yes, I am. Has the jury reached verdicts? Yes, we have. Can you please provide all signed and unsigned verdict forms to Deputy Area, please? I have reviewed the verdict forms, and at this time, I'll direct my clerk to read them. In the Superior Court of California, County of Orange, Central Justice Center, the people of the state of California versus Rachel May Buffett, case number 12, CF 
3397. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Rachel May Buffett, guilty of the crime of felony to wit, violation of section 32 of the Penal Code of the State of California, accessory after the fact, as charged in count one of the information, dated September 12, 2018, juror number 135, four person. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Rachel May Buffett, guilty of the crime of felony to wit, violation of section 32 of the Penal Code of the State of California, accessory after the fact, as charged in count two of the information, dated September 12, 2018, juror number 135, four person. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask each of you to answer the following question. Are these your true and correct verdicts? Juror number 129. Yes. Juror number 167. Yes. Juror number 185. Yes. Juror number 127. Yes. Juror number 135. Yes. Juror number 151. Yes. Juror number 155. Yes. Juror number 116. Yes. Juror number 160. Juror number 143. Yes. Juror number 181. Yes. Juror number 150. Yes. Will both parties waive any further polling of the jurors on behalf of the defendant? Yes, sir. And on behalf of the people? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I will direct my clerk to record the verdicts. Will both parties waive reading of the verdicts as they are being recorded? On behalf of the defendant? Yes. On behalf of the people? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a final instruction to read to each of you. You have now completed jury service in this case. On behalf of all of the judges of the court, please accept my thanks for your time and effort. Now that the case is over, you may choose whether or not to discuss the case and your deliberations with anyone. I remind you that under California law, you must wait at least 90 days before negotiating or agreeing to accept any payment for information about the case. Let me tell you about some rules the law puts in place for your convenience and protection. The lawyers in this case, the defendant or their representatives may now talk to you about the case, including your deliberations or verdict. Those discussions must occur at a reasonable time and place and with your consent. Please tell me immediately if anyone unreasonably contacts you without your consent. Anyone who violates these rules is violating a court order and may be fined. I will order that the court's record of personal juror identifying information, including names, addresses, and telephone numbers, be sealed until further order of this court. Ladies and gentlemen, from the first day you entered into the courtroom to begin jury selection, I expressed my gratitude for your willingness to serve. Uh, we cannot ensure that justice is served without the willingness of citizens such as you to fulfill your obligation. On behalf of all of the parties and all of my colleagues, I am grateful for your service. I know one of our alternates is here as well. Uh, I thank each of you. You are now excused. Thank you very much. The jurors have left the courtroom. It is now time to pick a date for sentencing. And before doing so, Mr. Mendina, would you like to be heard regarding the custodial status of your client? I would, Your Honor. Uh, I request my client remain uh, out of custody. Uh, this case has been going on. I believe she was uh, charged in 2012. There have been over 50 court appearances. She's made each court appearance. Uh, I believe her status may be OR at this time. It has been for some time. Uh, I have a bond on the case. Is there a bond? Bond is posted. I, I would ask that the bond remain at this time. Do you wish to be heard? Submit. 
Until today, Ms. Buffett has been presumed to be innocent of these charges. The jury has found her guilty of two serious felonies. The crimes that she has been convicted of go at the very uh, core of the criminal justice system that is lying to police officers who are investigating a serious crime. She is not entitled to be released on bail from this point forward. It is the court's determination that she will be remanded to the custody of the Orange County Sheriff's Department and held without bail pending sentencing. I think it is best uh, if she's prepared to waive time for sentencing. Court will be ordering the probation department to prepare a probation and sentencing report. Uh, the court would prefer to have as much information about Ms. Buffett. If both of you can be here first thing in the morning, I can accomplish this it on a Thursday. Is that agreeable with the people? Is that agreeable with the defense? All parties will order to be personally present on that day at 9 a.m. The court will order the Orange County Probation Department to prepare a probation and sentencing report for the court's consideration and have it available for the court and counsel five days prior to the hearing date. Ms. Buffett, you will be remanded to the custody of the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Your bond that was previously posted will be exonerated. Are there any other issues that the court needs to address on behalf of the defense? No, you're not. On behalf of the people? No, you're not. The court will be in recess. Rachel Buffett is now a convicted felon, facing up to 44 months in prison. Her bail was revoked, and she was remanded into custody. The former Disney princess is physically restrained by the clink of the cold metal handcuffs and led by a sheriff's deputy out of the courtroom. Rachel never once looked back towards her forlorn family members, nor did she acknowledge the lone sobs coming from her mother, Mary Ann. After receiving cards and letters from family and friends expressing their support of Rachel Buffett, it is now up to the Honorable Judge Hansen to impose her sentencing decision. But first, the court allows for the victim's families to speak directly to Rachel Buffett for the last time. Beginning with Julie Kibuishi's mom, June, who is flanked at the podium by June's husband and Julie's father, Masa Kibuishi. There are two family members that wish to address the court. And they may address the court now. Who would like to speak first? Uh, June Kibuishi, with the court's permission. Ms. Kibuishi, you may come forward. Good morning, Ms. Kibuishi. Okay. First of all, um, our family would like to thank you, Your Honor, for everything you have done for us and the, her family. We believe you handled this case in a very fair manner, and we truly appreciate you keeping us, the, the victim's family, as a priority to bring this case to the closure. Also, we are truly thankful for Mr. Matt Murphy and all of the members of the DA office for their effort and support throughout this long and painful experience. I need to ask your honor for permission to address the next message to Ms. Buffett for the first and last time. You may. Thank you. It's been more than eight years since my loving daughter, Julie, was taken away from our family by you and your ex-fiance after stealing money from, for your wedding. Her life was taken just to be used as a cover-up for taking poor Sam's life. 
Isn't a wedding normally full of love and happiness? Yet your big day was going to be rooted in murder. During these past eight years, while we, the victims' families, Sam's family and our family, have been grieving with pain for losing our children, the pain that will never truly heal, you've been able to breathe fresh air, spend time with your family, and making memories. Not only have you been able to live normally, but you've been you have been even found a time to address on public television that you are the victim, betrayed by your fiance. Additionally, you walk into the court every time with your entourage, who are your only supporters, showing no remorse or sadness to the victim's families. Just wanted to say the real victims are Sam and my daughter, Julie not you. You are actually going to get married to that monster in just one week. If you were a decent human being who actually had a bit of a kindness in your heart, you would have been devastated and would have felt guilty that your loved one who you were going to spend the rest of your life did what he did to our children. But all these years, have you ever shown any remorse to the true victims and victims' families? No, absolutely none. And your actions these past years don't refute this. I also need to say this. If your family has been able to support you during all these court days, why didn't they support you and your ex-fiance with your wedding and honeymoon when you two desperately needed was the murder really the only solution for you both? Our children didn't have to be taken away. My daughter Julie was 23 years old, and she had so much she wanted to accomplish. I will never get to see her fulfill her dreams in fashion, be a, a bride or a mom. I know she would have been the most loving and caring mom as she had her biggest heart. All of these dreams for a mom having a daughter were taken away, not just from me, but from our family and all of her friends. Julie even thought of you as a friend and was so happy for your engagement. How and why, I will never know. But I know for sure that you were never a true friend to her or Sam and never deserved hers or Sam's love and friendship. To me, you and that monster were two peas in a pod. And I'm glad you both found each other. You're both self-centered and truly heartless. This world doesn't need more people like you or him. They need more people like my daughter, Julie, and Sam. I know you will forever remember the lives of Sam and Julie. And I hope you'll live every day regretting your disgusting decisions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Lucy.
And the second family member that wishes to address the court is uh, Steve Hur. And Mr. Hur, you may address the court. I'm going to try to read this without my glasses. I'm not used to it. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Good morning. Uh, Your Honor, thank you for your leadership in making sure that this trial was finally heard. Trust me, I understand. I want to thank your staff, too, for making us feel as comfortable as they could under the situation, the circumstances. And I truly repeat, my family and I really appreciate everything you've done. I'd like to thank Matt Murphy and his team as well as the Costa Mesa Police Department for all their work these past eight and one half years. I can't express it in words, but they become family. And they are all very special people. Julie Kibuyushi was a lovely young lady who was a wonderful friend and tutor to my son, Sam Hare. She was a college student studying designing, a terrific dancer, as we found out, and a wonderful, wonderful friend to many. These are just a few of the many attributes of Julie. Sam Hare, our son, was a decorated combat veteran of Afghanistan, going to college to get a degree so he can return to the Army as an officer. They were both murdered thinking that they were helping friends. I felt the need to mention their names, for this is why we're here. As part of my son's body, lie dead and dismembered in the attic of a Los Alamitas theater, Rachel Buffett was spreading lies. As my son's head, arms, and hands were being ravaged by animals and insects at El Dorado Park, Rachel Buffett was spewing lies about Dan Wozniak's involvement. As Julie Kibushi was lying in my son's apartment, murdered by her fiancé, Dan Wozniak, Rachel Buffett was deliberately deceiving the police, as well as the friends of Sam and Julie, attempting to throw them off the trail of her lover, Dan Wozniak. While many of Sam and Julie's friends flocked to the police, the police station to help investigators in any way that they possibly could, Rachel was too busy due to a tanning appointment and a possible bachelorette party. Rachel Buffett lied to the police. She lied to her friends. She lied to the local and national newspapers. And she lied to the nation when she appeared on national TV, proclaiming her innocence. Some of the many lies included, number one, claiming a third person was with Sam and Dan as they left her apartment to get money. Rachel stated to the police that she saw and she did not recognize the third person and that he did not live in the apartment. He didn't live in the apartment complex. We later learned that there was no third person. The third person was fictitious, created by Dan and Rachel. Another lie was claiming Sam told her that he had family problems. This lie echoed what Dan Wozniak was texting Julie in the guise of Sam to lure Julie to Sam's apartment. There were no family problems, Your Honor, 
and Rachel was backing Dan Wozniak's lies. Yet another lie was claiming fictitious people had given them money. Rachel never even mentioned Chris Williams, who, we discovered, did lend Dan and Rachel the money. We heard that Rachel and Dan were being questioned by the friends that night I found Julie's body. And what was her response during that time? No, Dan, and this is uh, what I've heard is, that's not effing happened. You're effing up my own story. Oh, my God, your screwed up memories are screwing up my story. Just shut up, Dan. Does this sound like a woman who's trying to tell the truth? But the line of questioning, Your Honor, that haunts me the most is that Rachel Buffett tries to pin Julie's murder on our son, Sam. Rachel saw Dan give Chris Williams the $400 on May 21st, 2010, immediately after Sam was murdered. As a matter of fact, she calls Chris, or they speak, and she told him that he dropped $20. But five days later, five days after this, when police ask Rachel, what did Dan do with the $400 he returned with? Rachel responds, and I quote, he could have given it to the loan sharks, or he, meaning Dan, could have given it the money to Sam. That's possible. He could have given Sam to $380. And I need to repeat this. She said he could have given the $400 to Sam. That's possible. He could have given Sam the $380. That's five days after you saw Chris give Dan the money. Dan give Chris the money. You know, if Rachel Buffett had just stopped and told the police that Dan had given the $400 to loan sharks, that would have been a bad enough lie. But when she adds that he could have given the money to Sam, she's helping support the narrative that was planned by Dan Mosniak and possibly Rachel herself. Your Honor, Rachel Buffett is throwing Sam, our son, under the bus. After Sam gives him $100 for a wedding present, what does Rachel do? She throws him under the bus. That was the whole narrative of the murder, to murder the murder plot, to murder Julie and blame Sam. How the hell am I supposed to feel about that when I see her right there? The purpose of a victim's statement is how this affects my wife and me. Obviously, we're devastated, and we still are. A large part of our lives died that terrible day. We lost our only child. To know we will never see Sam again, never hear his voice again, and never touch and give him hugs again is a feeling that no parent should ever know. I can still say I love you, but it's done standing over Sam's grave at the Riverside National Cemetery, which I have visited every week for these past eight and one half years. This brings us here today for Rachel Buffett's sentencing. You know, I did some research on this. Accessory after the fact of murder in quite a few states, the penalty can be from 10 to 15 years in prison. As a matter of fact, if Rachel had been tried in federal court right here across the street in Kern, California, which is a possibility since she, Sam was murdered on a government base, she could have received a sentence for up to 15 years. I've been told that Ms. Buffett can receive up to 44 months. 
in prison for the crime she was found guilty of. Rachel Buffett deserves the harshest punishment possible. Rachel knew exactly what she was doing. She could have saved us eight years and six months of grief by not lying to the police. Rachel Buffett was offered deals, but refused to take them, dragging the families of ourselves and the Kibiwishis to another trial where heinous atrocities and painful memories were relived. Did Rachel think about Sam and Julie? No. Did Rachel think about the families of Sam and Julie? No. Rachel just thinks about Rachel. You, Your Honor, along with everyone else who observed the hearings, saw and heard Rachel's lies. If Ms. Buffett or anyone else asks for leniency regarding the sentence, just ask yourself this. Did Rachel Buffett show any compassion towards Sam, Julie, or the families? She showed none. Did Rachel Buffett show any remorse or accept any responsibility about lying these past eight and a half years? She showed none whatsoever. Justice must be served. Rachel Buffett's lies and deceptions demand Rachel receive the maximum penalty allowed. Now, regardless of what that sentence is, whatever, regardless of the maximum sentence is, Rachel will eventually get out. She'll get out. She will eventually be with her family again. She will be able to see them. She will be able to talk to them. She will be able to hold them. As stated earlier, my wife, Raquel, and I, we will never see, hear, or touch our Sam ever again. The Kibuishis will never see, never hear, or never touch their wonderful daughter, Julie, ever again. Please, Your Honor, hear our cries. Sentence Rachel Buffett to the maximum penalty allowed. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Herr. Anything else on behalf of the people? No, Your Honor, thank you. Does the defendant wish to address the court? She's not required to, but she may. She would, Your She may. I have always wanted to express my condolences to the Hare and Kibuishi families and offer support. But I assume that any contact from me, a complete stranger before this case, would not be welcomed or helpful. So I sought to be respectful by giving them space. I hope my silence has not been misinterpreted as callous. I'm also so sorry that any of my actions caused more pain to the Hare and Kibuishi families. I wish Sam and Julie were still here. I wish I could have done something to save them. I wish I never met Daniel Wozniak. I wish I never let him into my life. I wish I saw him for the liar and the manipulator he was from day one. And I wish there was something I could do to fix this now. My heart goes out to the Heron Kibiwishi families and they will always be in my thoughts and prayers. Anything else on behalf of the defendant? No, Your Honor. And now, after weighing the evidence and the mitigating and aggravating circumstances, 
Judge Hansen declares her sentencing determination for now convicted felon Rachel Buffett. Ms. Buffett, as I decide what the appropriate sentence is, I recognize that the pain that the her and Kibiwushi families have suffered is lifelong. I recognize that they lost their child, not at your hands, but at Mr. Wozniak's hands. However, you are here today, not because of the actions of Mr. Wozniak, but because of your own actions. As I read letter after letter in support of you, the court is well aware that you have friends and family who are willing to support you. However, as I listened to all of the evidence introduced at the trial, and I read your statements to probation, and I hear your statements today, I am struck by a feeling that you have never appreciated the gravity of the crimes that you committed. Time and time again, I hear from those who love you and are prepared to support you that you were naive or somehow innocent. But that's not what the evidence demonstrated in this trial. You acted on your own when you stood before those Costa Mesa police officers who were investigating the deaths, or at that point in time, the uh, missing individuals, and you lied. And those lies, when you consider them in relationship to the statements Mr. Wozniak made, leaves this court to believe you planned those statements. It wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision that you made to protect your fiancé, but there was thought and care taken in terms of the narrative that you were providing to law enforcement. So as I make my findings in terms of determining what the appropriate sentence for you should be, counsel, I will tell you, I'm going to state the sentence in terms of a tentative um, giving each of you an opportunity to correct any legal errors the court may make um, so that I may correct them today. First, I would note the defendant is eligible for probation, so the court has considered all of the California Rules of Court 4.414 that sets forth all of the factors that I must consider in determining whether or not you are a suitable candidate for probation. I would note you were an active participant in this crime. In fact, this crime that you stand before the court convicted of was committed solely by you. It was deliberate, it was intentional, um, and you intentionally misdirected law, law enforcement, uh, and you provided a false, false alibi to Mr. Wozniak. This crime was not committed because of any unusual circumstance which is unlikely to recur. Uh, again, you intentionally and willfully committed these crimes. Uh, you have no prior criminal record. That is something I am required to take into consideration. And you have expressed a willingness to comply with the terms of probation. However, my belief that you are, is that you're not credible as to that aspect. I don't believe you have any recognition or admission as to the severity of your actions. Um, and because of that, weighing all of those factors, I have made a decision to deny probation in this case. Counsel, does either side wish to be heard regarding those findings on behalf of the people? No. On behalf of the defendant? No. 
Now, this uh, crime uh, is punishable pursuant to Penal Code Section 1170, subsection H. Uh, the sentence in this case is a sentence that is served in the local jail because it is not eligible for a state prison sentence under 1170H. In terms of making a determination as to the length of the sentence, I would note that count one will be selected as the principal base term. When I make a determination and I evaluate all of the rules of court that tell me what the aggravating and mitigating factors that I should consider are, I make the following findings. I do believe that there are circumstances in aggravation as it relates to the crime, namely 4.421, subsection A, subsection 8. The court does find that the crimes were carried out with some degree of planning and some degree of sophistication above and beyond uh, a typical accessory after the fact. Again, and I make this finding based upon the, the belief that you and Mr. Wozniak pre-planned some of this false information that was provided to law enforcement. Uh, there are no aggravating factors as it relates to you. In terms of circumstances and mitigation, there are no mitigating factors as it relates to the crime itself. There are mitigating factors as it relates to you because you have no prior record of criminal conduct. When I weigh those factors, uh, I decide uh, that neither uh, is of greater weight than the other and the court is going to exercise its discretion to impose midterm on count one. Midterm on count one is eight, two years. As to count two, the court considers the factors to determine whether or not the sentence on count two should be concurrent or consecutive. The court is going to exercise its discretion and impose a consecutive term on count two because I do believe that there was an independent objective uh, and intent on each of these separate crimes, and I do intend to sentence you consecutively. Accordingly, you will be sentenced to one-third the midterm for a period of eight months. That will be consecutive to the sentence in count two. This concludes the sentencing. You are remanded to the custody of the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Thank you, Council. We are in recess. With the trial now concluding, the spectators, including family and friends, are ushered out of court, with the media and their crews not far behind. The word is quickly spread that a formal press conference is about to take place on a lower level in the courthouse, as the crowd slowly moves to the elevator banks. Others choose the stairs so as not to be late in attending what media folks call a presser an event which I and my sleuth team attended as well. What promised to be a happy moment of closure for Steve and Raquel Hare and June and Masakibuyushi turned into an event that the prosecutor Matt Murphy chose to roast me and my podcast. Every, every death penalty case in, uh, in California is an automatic bill. Lynn, I want to give you a chance to rebut that. Is it your position that Daniel Wozniak should not be uh, on death row? Is that your position? Okay. Never said that once, but thank you. Next on Sleuth, 
you will hear the full, unedited press conference, along with the conversation I had with Sam Hare's father, Steve, who approached me after, wishing to confront my decision to not censor my podcast guest, Defense Counsel Scott Sanders. Mr. Hare remains quite upset that Mr. Sanders was offered a platform to express his right to his own legal positions regarding his defense of Dan Wozniak. Sleuth invited Mr. Sanders to come on our podcast to speak his opinion about certain rulings Judge Connolly made in his client Dan Wozniak's capital case. While Sleuth offered both Mr. Hare and Mr. Sanders the chance to speak about Episode 3, the episode in question that mentions Sam Hare's past when he himself was charged with murder, but Mr. Hare felt he wasn't given the opportunity to have the last word. But he was, and he still does, have that chance to come on this podcast whenever he wishes to speak his mind regarding any issue he has with Sleuth. If you enjoyed this episode of Sleuth, share it with a friend. And be sure to leave a rating or review. Follow Sleuth on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far... I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.